Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Okay. Well, it's an honour um, to stand before you again to bring the word of God. I need to prepare you a little bit for this. <laughs> In a good way, but be prepared. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, may I only speak what comes via your Holy Spirit. Allow me to be your oracle today, speaking from your throne room that which you once said. May that which stands in opposition to your word go in the name of Jesus Christ. The entrance of your word brings light. Let light come into this place on top of that which is already here, Lord. I pray for a teachable spirit to come upon us all today. That we would listen by our spirit. Whatever the word needs to do, whatever the Lord by his spirit needs to do, you would be able to do it. We humble ourselves before you to receive correction and deep understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, I'm on a time clock here. So, okay, so the last few, maybe a couple of weeks, the Lord has been saying one thing to me, don't miss out, don't miss out, don't miss out. I said, what do you want me to talk about, Lord? About missing out, don't, don't, don't miss out, I don't want anyone to miss out. I said, Lord, okay, what do you mean by that? And it was, it was really the last two weeks, two and a half weeks. And every time I went before the Lord, I said, oh, Lord, what, 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 what am I supposed to be talking about? He said, don't miss out. Don't miss out. You must not miss out. Yeah. Okay, you must not miss out, he said. Yeah. And I wondered, I said, Lord, why the sense of urgency? I'm not really one for to be looking at the, the, the Jewish calendar and so on and so forth. Okay? But it just struck me that Rosh Hashanah started on Friday the 15th of September and ended on Sunday the 17th of September, which was right in that period and it is a new Hebraic year the year 5784 okay and I said Lord what is the significance of this he said don't miss out the fourth Hebrew letter Dalit probably um DeAndre knows all about this because I know he studies Hebrew. Numerical value of four. Pictographic meaning is door. Draw out or in. Knock, pathway, portal to heaven, dominion, control, etc. 
And I looked up what many of our prophetic leaders were saying. They were saying this is the year of the doors. Okay. The year and the season of doors. Four doors. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? Doors mean access. Access. When the door opens, you have access to what is within. And the Lord is saying, don't miss out. The timing, the season, don't miss it. The year of the open doors is upon us. I believe it. I really believe it. Just, just what was been on my spirit, the way he was saying, it was like, rush in, rush in, rush in. Whatever it is you need, whatever it is you need to lay hold of, there is an open door. The doors are opening. This is the season. Okay? So, what we're going to talk about is, don't miss out. Now, should I start with this or should I start with that? So I'm going to start with a little word that the Holy Spirit gave me to set the tone for what we're going to talk about today. We can call it a prophetic word, but I like to say it is a now word. In other words, right now, today, this moment as I'm speaking, this is what he is saying. Okay. Um, So just listen by your spirit. Okay. So the Lord says this. I'm always waiting for my people of faith to rise up and claim what I have for them. It's always waiting. The opportunities that arrive have a destination and have a time. Now is the time. When things are delayed, my word is there for precisely what needs to happen next. Seize the day. Do not miss what I have for you. Obey my word and walk uprightly. I've called you to be. The hour is nigh. I respond to you, but you must obey me. My spirit is watching and waiting for you to take his hand and join him. Do not be dismayed or distracted. My plans are always perfect. Don't walk away thinking you have failed. In with the new and step forward again today. There is always much more for you. I can't stop giving and I will never stop looking for you. I will make a way so don't miss a thing. Keep pressing forward. Paul mentioned pressing forward and not looking back. It is a trait that us believers must have. The past is the past. Press forward. Step forward again today. If you've fallen down, get yourself up. Step forward again 
today. There is always much more for you, my daughter, my son, always much more. God has an everlasting supply of blessing. But you must seize the day. Do not miss what I have for you. The Spirit of God is watching and he is waiting for you to take his hand and join him. He wants us to co-labor with him. Opportunities are coming. The camels are coming. Opportunities that arrive have a destination and have a time. When things are delayed, my word is there for precisely what needs to happen next. The word of God will tell us what is ours. And if it is not yet here, we can declare and decree a thing so that it can be established. We can remind God of his word. That's what it's there for. God has called each one of us to be to be somebody, to be someone in this hour, for the hour is nigh. I respond to you when we pray, when we seek him, when we declare, he responds to us, but we must obey him. Amen? Amen. All right, so that's just a a little segue into where we are. So, don't miss out. Let's start with some scripture. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, the Amplified says this. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity. This is where we land. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. We have to discern that which is pleasing to God. We have to, if we don't know, seek the Lord for what his will is. Everything surrounding our lives must be done in accordance with the will of God. We don't ever want to be outside of his will, outside of his purpose. We want to be inside, along with, going with, agreeing with the will of God. But you must not miss out. You must not miss out on that new job. You must not miss out on that husband, that wife. You must not miss out on family reconciliation. You must not miss out on a degree, a GCSE, an A-level. You must not miss out on anything that God has for you. For you must progress. You must not miss out. Everybody say, I must not miss out. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord said to me, 
it does not please me when my children miss out on what I want for them because it stops them from seeing and experiencing his goodness. And they develop a reduced image of me. We develop a reduced image of God when we miss out. What? Luke 1, 37, Yamphite says this, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That is the word of God, and it is not going to change. But when you keep missing out on what you should have, this is not your reality, even though it is the absolute truth. We must not miss out. The word of God will not change. But what is your reality? Many of us have missed something at some point. Or some of us have missed someone that they should have met. The spirit of the Lord is saying you must not miss out. He said that for the world is not yet seeing the glory of the Lord that has risen upon you. It's not yet seen it. It's not yet seen it. Your street, your school, your business, your work, even your family. I want my name glorified, says the Lord. Isaiah 60, 1 to 4, and many of you can recite it as I'm reading it. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness all peoples. But the Lord shall arise upon you, O Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen on you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about you and see. They all gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried and nursed in the arms. The Lord said, the world needs to see my goodness on you before they know that I am good. Before the unsaved know that God is good, they need to see the light of the world. We are the light of the world. I remember Brother Des a couple of weeks ago on the Wednesday Bible study was talking about a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden in the way that Des always talks of things. This is the state of it all. Matthew 4, 
49. I'm going to read it in the Message Bible because that sounds most like this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. I'll say it again, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Arise and shine. You know, if we don't shine, there will just be darkness. Outside of the body of Christ, there is only darkness in the world. That's all there is. And it's getting darker and darker. And when it gets darker and darker, we're supposed to be getting brighter and brighter. And the Lord is saying, don't miss out. Because when you miss out, you fail to shine somewhere as somebody in something So what is our challenge? What is our challenge? And this is what we need to talk about. We are challenged. We can't always shine. We struggle sometimes to shine. And we do miss out. But why do we miss out? And what needs to be done? It's quite a short message actually. But I want you, if you feel convicted, okay. But don't feel condemned. The Holy Spirit is saying, don't miss out. I need you not to miss out. Get it together. Get to understand. Don't miss out. Okay? So what did he say? So this is the challenge. First thing that the Holy Spirit said was this. Only by obeying my instruction will you be able to obtain all that I have for you. For obedience is better than sacrifice. Right? The greatest obstacle to attaining what God has for you is disobedience. Okay? This is the number one thing. Let's look at that. So here we have in 1 Samuel 13, King Saul disobeyed the commandment of the Lord in the offering of burnt sacrifice offerings. That thing was only for a priest. But he went and he did it. Samuel, the priest, told him, this 
foolish, disobedient action that you have now done. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. So the first thing we see here is that that one action of disobedience curtailed the content of his destiny. He missed out. Big time. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And we know that person to be David. He missed out on being king over Israel, God's people. And he lost his legacy forever. There's some missing out that you can't come back from. You just can't. In Samuel 1, or 1 Samuel 15, 9, we see King Saul disobeyed God again when he chose to keep the Amalekite king Agag alive and took the plunder from the battle rather than destroy everything as God had commanded. The Bible says that God rejected him from being king over Israel. So first Samuel proclaimed that your kingdom will not go further. Then the Lord himself rejected him. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. We'll get into that. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Fear of man should not get you to disobey the Lord. It doesn't matter what man thinks of you. But it does matter what God expects of you. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. When we repeatedly disobey God, there will always be consequences and it often causes us to miss out what he intended. Now, no condemnation, I say again. 
but please listen and listen carefully. Because some of us are so focused on a valiant sacrifice for the Lord in that great thing that we're doing for him, that actually he has not asked us to do, we repeatedly fail to obey him in the simple things that he has actually asked for. God is not mocked. God is gracious and we thank him for Jesus that he has paid the price so that we can humble ourselves and repent. But we must do so. God hates disobedience. I say again, if we have disobeyed the Lord, his direct instruction, don't sit with it. Simply humble yourself and repent. This disobedience closes the door straight away and we just miss out. Yes, God is gracious and he will bring back, he will redeem, but we have to humble ourselves and recognize that he's still God. So no one should feel condemned, but we need to repent if we have been disobedient to God. Okay. So, the Holy Spirit then began to say, there are factors that cause God's children to miss out on what God intended. Okay. What's a factor? That's the one, there's A fact or influence that contributes to a result. Now, in mathematics, a factor is a number that fits exactly into a given number. Why is the Holy Spirit saying factors? He's saying there are factors that cause something, and outside of that, there is no other influence. There are factors that cause us to miss out. Okay? It's not God. Okay? It's because of these things. It's not something else. And he gave me five. We're going to talk a little bit about these. And then we're going to close. So I don't need to say much more, to be honest. So what are these five factors? Now, these factors can appear on their own or they can be in a combination. The first one, not doing what my word actually says. The second one, unwillingness to change your position. The third one, placing hope in something that is not from me. fourth one resisting my holy spirit i actually changed that because he actually said working against my holy spirit but i thought that was too brutal so i changed it to resisting my holy spirit and i said lord that's he said but that's the reality when you resist him you're working against him we'll get into it 
And the final one, history has an influence if you allow it. We'll get into it. This talks of the need for deliverance. I'll put it like that. Okay. So, number one, not doing what the word actually says. God has given us many promises. Okay? And a large number of these promises are very specific in their requirements. If you meet the requirements, then you're entitled to the benefit that's within the promise to manifest in your life. But you need to meet the requirements. Saints, don't miss out. Follow the requirements. Not every promise you can declare and say, yes, Lord. You can say, yes, Lord, if you've met the requirements, but read the word, read the detail, read the fine print. God is not a legalist, but the word will never change. Even he cannot change and make it easier for his children. Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, for assuredly I say to you, when Jesus said, for assuredly I say to you, he's guaranteeing this with his own reputation. Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So we must follow the word exactly for it is not going to change. It's forever settled in heaven. So a little bit of a testimony. About 20 years ago, yeah, about 20 years ago, it was so significant that I'll never forget it as long as I live. My, wife, my dear wife Tina will, will vouch for this. About 20 years ago, myself and my wife, we were paying our tithes, okay, diligently. And I'll read you Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I was paying the tithe. And then Tina comes to me and says, I think we were married at the time, weren't we? We were married. Yeah. She said, how are you paying your tithe? The Holy Spirit has said that, ask your husband, he's not paying his tithe correctly. So he was watching how I was paying my tithe. That dispels anybody's opinion about whether you should pay the tithe or not, right? The Holy Spirit goes to your wife and says, ask your husband how he's paying the tithe. Now, this is how I was paying my tithe. I was getting a tenth of my income for that month. And I was dividing it by four and showing up each week and putting that in and saying, that's my tithe for, for the month. Oh, we weren't married yet. We weren't married yet, okay. Now, technically, the amount's the same, right? But the manner is wrong, 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 wrong. Bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income, 
God is going to be first whether you like it or not. So bring the tithe, the tenth, in one sitting because he needs to be first. Right? Now, the magnitude of it was that God was saying, if you are going to tithe, son, you better do it according to my word precisely and not your own understanding of my word. For I cannot bless you according to my word if it is not accurate. God wants us to be blessed according to his word. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us to be accurate with the correct doctrine. Saints, I say again, do not miss out. What is it? What promises of God or promises of God are you holding on to? And you're saying, I've met the requirements, I've met the requirements, but you've not checked the accuracy of your meeting of the requirements. I could have gone that 20 years paying in such a foolish way and God would have just been saying, okay, I see some what you've brought, but that's just an offering. It's not a tithe. That's an offering. That's an offering. That's an offering. And he would have received it as an offering because he can't receive it as a tithe if it's not done as a tithe. Think on it. The Holy Spirit does not want us cheated by misunderstanding incorrect doctrine or a lazy recollection of his word. Okay, number two. Unwillingness to change your position. Whoa. What's that about then? Stubbornness. Now, stubbornness is a terrible thing. Okay, it is a terrible, terrible thing. The world may position it as some kind of virtue when it suits you. But let me tell you, stubbornness is a terrible thing. It is not a virtue. In fact, the definition of stubbornness is to make an idol of your own opinion. All right. To make an idol of your own opinion is a definition of stubbornness. And God hates idolatry. The Hebrew word translated stubborn means turned away, morally obstinate, rebellious and backsliding. It's all bad. It's all bad. Stubbornness can just close the door to blessing straight away. Okay, uh, Zechariah, let's go Old Testament, Zechariah 7, 9 to 12 says this, thus has the Lord of hosts spoken, execute true judgment and show mercy and kindness and tender compassion every man to his brother. So that's the instruction to Israel. And oppress not the widow or the fatherless, the temporary resident or the poor. And let none of you devise or imagine or think evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to listen and turned a rebellious and stubborn shoulder and made heavy and dull their ears that they might not hear. Yes, they made their hearts as a <laughs> adamant stone or diamond point, lest they should hear 
the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, there came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. God gets annoyed with stubbornness. So it came to pass that as he cried and they would not hear, he said, so they shall cry and I will not answer, says the Lord of hosts. Instantly, if you show the Lord stubbornness, he will not hear your prayer. Whatever you're asking God to do, whatever you're asking God for, if you dig in your heels in with respect to his word or what he's asked you to do, he ain't going to hear it. It hinders prayers instantly. Saints, I say, I say again, don't miss out. If your position is wrong and the Holy Spirit has made it plain, we must repent, submit to the correction and change our position. I say again, if your position is wrong and the Lord can speak, he can speak through two or three people to say, this isn't the right way, you're, what you're doing. Change it up, okay? Change it up. Don't be stubborn. Don't be obstinate. Okay. Next one. Place hope or placing hope in something that is not from me. Now, I need you all to really think about this. Sometimes we're asking for something or we see something. We think, oh, the Lord is, is blessing me with this. He's giving this to me. Or this is what we want. And you can see that this is... But God is saying, that's not of me. God is asking us to be discerning. Proverbs 10, 22 says this, the blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Neither does toiling increase it. So straight away, we know that God's blessing, there is always no sorrow associated with it. So if you're blessed with something and it's bringing you sorrow, it's not from the Lord. Now, sometimes a blessing that comes from God can be tampered with by Satan. Okay, that's different. And he can turn it into something that it's not supposed to be. We need to be on our game concerning that also. But the root blessing from the Lord, he adds no sorrow to that. Okay? But James 1, 16 says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures okay so things that come from god the blessings that come from god no sorrow should be associated with it, okay? A gift that is good and perfect always comes from the Lord. These are dead giveaways. God doesn't bless you with something that is horrible, that is imperfect, that is faulty, 
that is fake. So he's not gonna, he's not gonna bless you with a fake LV bag. Or a fake Rolex. No, no, listen. I'm being serious. His gifts are perfect. It's changed the mindset, doesn't it? We must be prayerful. We must be watchful. We must be discerning of spirit. For the enemy can be very deceptive. He can bring counterfeit blessings. And this is... This needs a little bit of study. What is a counterfeit blessing? Simple. That which does not come from the Lord, that the enemy is peddling. Okay? Timing is important. When you are expecting God to bring breakthrough into your life, that is the time when a lot of the time you can see a counterfeit. Okay, you must be alert, sensitive, discerning, prayerful. Okay. Well, how do you recognize a counterfeit? Good question. While there is nothing inherently wrong with being successful, wealthy, even famous for the Lord, if any of these things start to pull you away from Jesus or out of God's will and into things that displease the Lord, Holy Spirit alarm bells need to be ringing. Okay? If that thing that you want means that you can't get to the gathering of the saints, you need to check whether that's from the Lord. If your boss wants to promote you and give you extra hours, but they're only Sunday hours, is it God promoting you? If that thing that you want is all-consuming and making you Curvaceous, and it makes an idol of itself. Is that from the Lord? We have to be honest with our motives and our agenda. Now, I say this to myself and I say it to you God searches and knows our heart. We have to ask Him to reveal any selfish, hidden motives that dwell inside of us. And I say, honestly pray for him to reveal it. Is there any devious way, selfish way in me regarding this request? And if the Holy Spirit shows you there is, repent and commit to aligning your will and desires with his. Therein will lie his blessings for you. Psalm 139, 23 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties 
and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a prayer. Search me. Open yourself to scrutiny. Holy Spirit, scrutinize my motives for this. Let me not be hidden in any way from you, Lord. Are my desires righteous before you? Do they stand in opposition to your will and your purpose for me? Do they help me walk humbly before you? Or do they take me astray? This is how you discern whether something is of the Lord or not. The goal of God is to bless and to prosper your soul for a wealthy legacy of godly living, right? So he wants to bless you for a wealthy legacy of godly living. If that thing that you have received cause you to live ungodly it's not from him okay resisting my holy spirit this is the one you've all been waiting for resisting my holy spirit now again here what the Holy Spirit is saying, okay? He's not saying anyone in here is blasphemous towards him, which is the sin that's unforgivable, okay? He's not saying that he wants to call you out. He's just highlighting something that is a subtle work of the flesh, okay? It is a subtle work of the flesh. Galatians 5:17 says this, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the holy spirit and the desires of the spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. Did you hear that? Continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. As long as you are in the tent of this body, the flesh, you will have an attitude in the flesh which is continually withstanding and in conflict with the Holy Spirit. It is your job to crucify that flesh on a daily basis. And if you don't, it will rise up and it will oppose the spirit of the living God in your life. And you will be resisting the Holy Spirit if you do not crucify the flesh in a violent, determined action that is unrelenting day on day on day on day. I mean it. Day on day on day. No holidays from crucifying the flesh. It will live and breathe bigger and stronger on the day you go on holiday. And it will find ways to gratify itself. And it will disturb the peace of the Holy Spirit and his actions into your spirit man. Because your cravings in the flesh will be so great that you won't listen to his ministry. 
The flesh is relentless. That's why it cannot be placated. It needs a knife in its throat. Yeah. But if you are guided, led by the Holy Spirit, you see that? But if, you see the but if? Why is that there? Because it's not always true. You are subject, not, sorry, you are not subject to the law. Now the doings, practices of the flesh are clear, obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, which we've met already, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper. No one here is like that. Selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, factions, sects with peculiar opinions, heresies. You see how the boundary of the flesh is so wide. What, boxing the flesh? No, no, no. All right, okay. No. No, let me, let me just check the word. I'll see if I can find that. <laughs> whatever, listen, whatever activities make you physically exhausted actually help you dull the flesh itself. That's why fasting is something we do, to bring the, the roaring nature of the flesh down so the spirit can rise we need to be disciplined highly motivated to crucify the flesh i'm putting it in the most extreme vocabulary that i can because it is absolutely what is necessary why the reason is this when the unction of the holy spirit comes and says Call that sister, call that brother and minister to them. But you're too busy or you just don't feel like talking. Whose voice is that? That's the voice of the flesh. Antagonistic to the things of the spirit. When you've got a church meeting, whether it be in the building or by Zoom on a Wednesday night or some other night, but you're all zoomed out and you say, oh, not another one. Who's that talking? That'd be the flesh. That's not your spirit, man. Now, each time you get the call, some of us, the Holy Spirit's plain. He speaks the English. Deji, this is where I want you to be. It's very difficult to avoid that. But still, I manage it. But most of the time, in most of us, he will give us an urge, an unction. He'll pull at us this way. I want you to go this way. But the flesh, strong beast that it is, just restrains. That's why you need to crucify it. Listen to James 4. Five to eight. Or do you suppose 
that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom has caused whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love the holy spirit is jealous over us but he gives us more and more grace power of the holy spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. What evil tendency? That's right. So God has, in his marvellous methods, given us a power to meet the evil tendency of the flesh to help us. That is why he says, God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. You have to be humble enough to receive the grace required to be strengthened in that power to meet that evil tendency. So be subject to God that so is, because of that statement that's just been made, so now be subject to God. Now you know this. Resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Now if you think and meditate upon that, you will realize that being subject to God means that you receive that power to deal with that evil tendency, which is to deal with the flesh. Because then you can resist Satan because Satan will always come at you regarding your flesh. But if he comes at you and doesn't find any living flesh in you, his battle is lost. That's when he has to flee you. Correct. What's the point? You frustrate Satan when he's got no flesh to deal with. But if you're all fleshed up, he's got lots of target area. That's how it works. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. This is talking to Christians, by the way. Be on your guard, okay? When the Lord says, resist in my Holy Spirit, he's talking to all of us, right? Because if that wasn't true, every single one of us would be fully led by the Spirit of God all of the time, and that would create heaven in here. The Lord once said to me, he said, the kingdom of God is where the Holy Spirit has dominion. Where the Holy Spirit has dominion, the will of the Lord, the purpose of the Lord, the power of God is fully manifested because the Holy Spirit has no, nothing restricting him. So the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, God's place of dominion is where the Holy Spirit has dominion, right? So if you think about that,
that's what we should be. We are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within. That's what Jesus said. It's within. And the reason why it's within is because the Holy Spirit has come and tabernacled inside of us. And he's to dominate our lives from within. Okay, so let's look at more scripture about this situation. Acts 5. Now this is one extreme end, but I want you to see a picture of the early church and then look at the current church. Acts 5, 1 to 10. Lying to the Holy Spirit. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? First things first. They had all agreed in their hearts to sell their possessions in the early church. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that no one was in need. There was no request to do so. This was all by the unction of the Holy Spirit that was within them. They all brought what they had, sold it, and gave, distributed it. Put it by the feet of the apostles and it was distributed to anyone that had need. That was the early church, okay? So here's Peter. Immediately Ananias walks up. He says, so why has Satan filled your heart to lie? So immediately the Holy Spirit says, that brother is not correct. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and kept back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So the the brother died right there and then. Now, we have to understand what's going on here. Resisting the Holy Spirit. This isn't just about lying. I'll continue to read, you'll see. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later that his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it? that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord. Now, this is the giveaway. You've agreed in yourself to test the spirit of the Lord. In other words, to try him, to resist him. 
you see. It's not just about the line. The Spirit of God had unctioned the body of Christ to behave in a certain way. They were all bringing their possessions, selling them, right? The same was in Ananias and Sapphira. He had unctioned them, but they had resisted the call and said, let's test to see if he will see what we will do. So that's why Peter said, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Now this is a strong picture and I'm not for one minute saying that people are going to drop down (laughs) in this ministry because they've tested the Holy Spirit but what I am saying is in the early church the Holy Spirit was moving with such brevity in the people that anything that stood in opposition that was going to quell the move of the spirit, which had to be immense, had to be dealt with. Now, I believe we're coming into a time such as that. You all shout and say, revival, revival. When revival comes, there is judgment. Let me tell you. The spirit of God will move in such a way, with such a strong objective, that if Satan uses any kind of flesh to stand in his way, what do you think he's going to do? So I'll leave that one there. But remember this, saints. Do not miss out. Do not miss out. Yield, yield, yield to the Holy Spirit. Do not resist him. All right, the final one. History has an influence if you allow it. What does that mean, I said to the Lord? History has an influence. In other words, your past, your past before you got saved, your past in the generations that came before you, this has an effect on whether you can attain certain things. It can have a negative effect. It also can have a positive effect. John 8, 31 to 34 says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, the blood of Jesus is very powerful. In Revelations 12, 
10 to 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Now I'm going to read you something and I want you to think on it. And I want you to start to apply these truths to your life. We cannot look upon our lives and look upon the frustrations potentially that we've been having as though they are not without historical origin. Let's put it that way. Okay? Now, yes, I am talking about deliverance. I am talking about deliverance. Okay? Jesus came to set the captives free, and that includes deliverance. It is a violent, combative, aggressive thing. And if the kingdom of God has really come, then you will see demons fleeing. Because it's all about power. The power of God versus the power of Satan. So we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So listen to this. Close your eyes maybe. See whether it stirs you. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony. Through the blood of Jesus and our witness of it, we overcome and have power to give our life fully for the one who gave his life for us. We apply the blood by the word of our testimony. In the old covenant, they applied the blood by sprinkling, Hebrews 9:19. In the new covenant, we apply the blood by words. Every Christian's testimony has the same beginning. It began on the cross of Jesus Christ. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is the most important part of any testimony. Without the blood, we have no testimony. On the cross is where our testimony began. At the cross is where we were transformed. At the cross is where we were crucified with Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 you can apply the blood of Jesus to your body to receive healing, Isaiah 53, 5. You can apply the blood of Jesus to your mind to receive sound mind. You can apply the blood of Jesus to your home, Exodus 12, 13. You can apply the blood of Jesus to your children, Job 1, 5. You can apply the blood of Jesus to anyone and anything that you have authority over or influence upon. It is your right as God's child. Also, in obedience to God's Holy Spirit, you should apply the blood of Jesus to anything or anyone that he tells you to. It is your duty as a royal priest of the Most High God 
but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9 Apply the blood of Jesus. There is immense power in the blood. I apply the blood of Jesus over my finances. Satan cannot touch them. I apply the blood of Jesus over my job. The wicked Satan and his cohorts have to get out. The blood, the blood, the blood. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We testify of what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Now, what's yours in the word of God will remain yours. But if you have to appropriate it by the blood of Jesus, then do so. If healing is struggling to manifest in your life, then call upon the blood of Jesus to receive that healing. You were bought and purchased by the blood. You belong to Jesus. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. It's all about the blood. Keep speaking, keep praying the blood. If you are in a war, and I mean if you are in a war in your household, if you are in a war in your body, if you are in a war in your mind, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus. Satan can do nothing about the blood of Jesus. It represents the perfect sacrifice of God and it was not found wanting in any way. It paid the price and it paid it in full. Satan has got no way of coming back at you through the blood of Jesus. Okay? All deliverance, all deliverance is through the knowledge the power of the blood of Jesus because it is proof that it's paid. The price is paid. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. He set you free by his blood, his own blood. He took it in to the holies of holies. The sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Lord, thank you for the blood. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. We are not going to miss it any longer. We've understood the factors that are involved in us missing out. Missing out in the promises, missing out in the blessings, missing out, missing out this, missing out that. But Lord, we are determined, we are reinvigorated in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We will not miss out, Lord. We will allow your name to be glorified. We will arise and we will shine. We will take that which is ours by force, according to the word of God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will stimulate your children 
to fight the good fight of faith. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke poverty. I rebuke the lie of the devil in the name of Jesus. Yes, he is a liar. He comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. But Jesus came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I declare and decree life and life more abundantly from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. I destroy every false doctrine. I come against every bad report. Who are you? Who are you, bad report, compared to the blood of the Lamb of God? Which authority do you speak of? For heaven and earth may pass away, but not any part of God's word. If God says, by my stripes you were healed, I took 39 lashes on my back so that you received the power of healing, then the power of healing you shall receive, daughter, in the name of Jesus. Satan needs to be told. He needs a telling. He needs to be told who you are in Christ. He needs to hear about the blood of Jesus again. He needs to be reminded of the victory you have through the blood of Jesus. And then he will go elsewhere. Lord, strengthen us for the rest of this year. The year of the doors, the open doors, open to us. The doors of finance, the doors of the family. That we may have access to where you want to take us, Lord. Holy Spirit, train us on how to go in and how to come out. We are known as first class soldiers in the army of Christ. Help us on the battlefield, Lord, that we will have victory after victory after victory. For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We've already won. Jesus did it all. And he told us, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. He's overcome the world. What is it that the world can do? If God is for you, who can be against you? Now I bless you in the name of the Lord. Stand strong in the power of God's might. Put on the whole armour of God. Be confident in who you are in Christ. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. Amen? Amen. 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 We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 